0: How could your business do better today? Run 24/7 and close more sales. You need always-on fiber with wireless backup. Improve staff productivity. Get fiber with unlimited data and calls. Give my customers better Wi-Fi experience. You can boost your Wi-Fi speed and signal. Join the Fiber Nation and help your business grow with Maxis One Business Fiber now from only 99 ringgit per month. Search Maxis One Business Fiber for more info.
1: It's Fun Friday, my name is Jeff Sandu. It's always nice when you beat Culture Pops Matt Armitage to a story. Today, we're taking some time to revisit a story I shared with you on Geek Squawks a couple of weeks ago. So today, we are going to ask who is the president of your brain. It's time to Matt's plane. What was that for, Matt? It's episode
2: 50. Can't we celebrate it just a little bit?
1: No, and we really don't need to talk about this topic again. I think we've covered it as well as it's humanly possible.
2: Well, for one thing, I'm not entirely human. uh, And I think what you just said about the uh, celebrating, we might have to rethink this entire relationship. (laughs) This is the 50th show. We're still here. Mm. I know we're not getting any better, but we're still here. No, I mean, I don't want to denigrate or disembowel the way that you handled the story a couple of weeks ago. As I said to you at the time, I think there are a lot of aspects Mm. to it that we couldn't do justice to because, you know, we had time constraints for that segment. And also in the meantime, I've been presenting uh, and discussing various aspects of AI at conferences and talks over the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to integrate some of the information I've learned from those experiences into this topic as well.
1: All right. So what would you like to add?
2: Well, the brain is kind of the first prize in biotechnology. It's the most complicated organ in the body. And as a result, it's one of the most difficult to understand and control. So to give you an obvious example, uh, many paraplegics are not paralyzed because they have damage to their arms or legs. Often it's down to damage in the brain or the spinal cord. So in the cases of brain damage, the organ is unable to process and send the information that controls those limbs or in the case of spinal damage, then the transmission mechanism has been disrupted or disconnected.
1: You are already making all of us sound like machines. Here. But we
2: are machines. It's just that we're thinking, feeling, sensing and self-determining machines. You know, we're, we're conscious. Uh, you can press a button or issue a command that will wake Siri or Alexa up. But the best those devices are is a one-dimensional representation of kind of who and what we are. We haven't found a way to mimic or replicate that consciousness, at least not yet.
1: And now we can. This is another one of your killer AI shows here.
2: It's not killer AI, but <laughs> there will be plenty of AI. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. I, I'd talk about 3D printing twice <laughs> in a year, and people would say I was obsessed. We could <laughs> literally rename this show Matt and Jeff Talk About AI, and nobody would bat an eyelid.
1: Or pulse a chip.
2: Well, precisely, yeah, to, to answer your previous question though no we don't have conscious ai as yet but strangely and i think somewhat creepily to some of our listeners we can use ai in various ways that will unlock and unpick the secrets of our our brains and our minds
1: is this like tweaking your dna in a garage something you can do because you can
2: I I think one of the reasons we've been so preoccupied with creating humanoid robots is precisely because we have so little understanding of what makes us conscious. So I'm going to stick with uh, the technology side rather than the philosophy today, mainly because I know about as much about (laughs) philosophy as a 16-year-old who's been studying (laughs) selfies. Um, At least with technology, you know, I can lie and make things up and nobody finds out till later. (laughs) So understanding the brain is a bit like decoding our a personality or our sense of self.
1: The last frontier of medicine, then?
2: Well, maybe not quite. I mean, our bodies still contain plenty of mystery, like the appendix. Its Mm -hmm. only purpose seems to be to create excruciating (laughs) pain and ruin family holidays. (laughs) Uh, We've become much better, I think, at these kind of routine and, as we said, mechanical parts of medicine. If your car gets in an accident, you know, you can pop down to the junkyard and get some panels off another wreck and You know, it's as good as new. And we can do a similar thing with people. We can replace arms, legs and the wiggly bits that attach to those limbs.
1: So you're trying to say that we can bakute our insights
2: here? Well, for those uh, <laughs> listeners who don't know what Bakute is, honestly, don't Google it because you're probably better <laughs> off not knowing. Uh, it really stretches the definition of what food is oh, and can on. be. it's good. <laughs> but you do make a valid point that we can replace organs mm. and we can even perform face transplants, which is incredible, odd and a little bit frightening. Uh, but when it comes to our brains, we're a bit like mountaineers attempting to scale a peak for the first time. We've got maps that take us some of the way but on the whole it's this kind of maddening game of trial and error
1: and all of which is taking us further away from machines that can read our thoughts
2: i'm just trying to set the scene that's all (laughs) we're painting a pretty picture on geeks you know we have to race through the stories so Mm. here at least we can give them a little bit of room to breathe
1: and talk about bakute
2: well you're the one who keeps bringing up bakute and (laughs) frankly (laughs) yeah the image of all those brains and bits floating around in (laughs) soup is really turning my stomach I think I find this story so interesting because it has some of the same implications that the CRISPR technology has. Uh, We're making, uh, or rather in the past, making discoveries about the brain has been slow, laborious, and it requires huge amounts of equipment, lots of test subjects, and lots of highly qualified people. Mm. Some of this new technology is going to make it far cheaper and far easier for scientists to conduct this kind of research. So for the first time, we may be able to see real-time analysis of literally dozens of subjects all exploring their minds and their brains all at the same time.
1: And what's been holding us up?
2: Well, as we said, that complexity of the brain. Mm. Uh, Until now, it's mostly been trial and error when we talk about brain scanning. You have to sit in an MRI and you think about something and a technician sees what parts of the brain light up. Mm. Then you have to take all those scans and compare them to each other. And you have to try and figure out which parts of the brain are not just firing on autopilot because, you know, our, our brains never switch off. There are There's always stuff going on. So there's a lot of uh, kind of noise and filtration that needs to be done as well. The dead salmon effect. Well, yeah, there was an infamous test back in 2009 when an MRI picked up what seemed to be activity in the brain of a dead salmon, (laughs) um, which, of course, turned out to be a false positive because dead salmon don't think, live salmon don't do a great deal of thinking. Um, What really interests me about this story is why was a dead salmon in an MRI machine in the first place? Um, I know (laughs) medical students like to play strange jokes on each other, But I cannot come up with any scenario that 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 works with.
1: And AI can handle that sort of, uh, that sorting process.
2: Well, yeah, even when we've used mechanical sorting in the past, um, we have to tell the machines what to look for. Uh, With AI, we don't have to be so explicit because they're great at coming up with their own uh, pattern recognition systems. And don't forget, you know, we're talking about an organ that contains tens of billions of neurons. And that's a staggering number for human neuroscientists Mm. to have to wade through, even when they're narrowing everything down to specific areas of the brain. For an AI, though, one million, one billion It's all just the same. It's just a question of how long it takes to process them. Mm. So we're starting to see these really interesting and unexpected patterns emerge from the data.
1: Like the examples, I gave on geeks.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you mentioned the team at Purdue University in Indiana. So they can essentially recreate images from our thoughts, Mm. which I know is very frightening. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember uh, we talked a few weeks ago about an AI that will create, uh, I think, not quite works of art, but Images and illustrations that are based on words and sentences.
1: Vaguely, the one based on uh, Microsoft API.
2: Yeah. um, The interface was put together by uh, a guy called Cristobal uh, Valenzuela. Um, And this is a bit like a brain version of that. Mm. Uh, At the moment, I think it only works with around 15 (laughs) words or categories. But when you think about that word, the AI takes that pattern of neurons firing in your brain and it translates it into an actual picture that pretty much resembles the thing that you're thinking about. And those images can be recorded like JPEGs and played back and looped like a movie.
1: Wow, so we could record our dreams.
2: Well, that's one application that researchers are looking into, definitely. Um, hmm. you know, And we do talk about some fairly strange and freaky stuff on the show from time to time. But this really is about as freaky as it gets. Hmm. We're finally getting to the stage where we can peer into the human mind And start to have a bit of a poke around.
1: This is like the movie, being John Malkovich.
2: It's almost exactly like that. Mm. Um, And that is a very strange and genuinely unsettling film. Um, It's also a really good film. Uh, (laughs) If if you haven't watched it uh, out there, do try and watch it this weekend. I think it's probably on the streaming services. But what would be even stranger and more unsettling is if the movie actually turns out to be science fact rather than science fiction. That would be really weird.
1: Mm. When we come back, the mind is a terrible thing to taste. We'll be right back, BFM
0: 89.9. How could your business do better today? Run 24-7 and close more sales. You need always-on Fibre with wireless backup. Improve that productivity. Get Fibre with unlimited data and calls. Give my customers better Wi-Fi experience. You can boost your Wi-Fi speed and signal. Join the Fiber Nation and help your business grow with Maxis One Business Fiber now from only 99 ringgit per month. Search Maxis One Business Fiber for more info. Burning for more. BFM 89.9 The Business Station. And we're back. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jess
1: Andrew. together with Culture Pops, Matt Armitage. I know you want to talk about the implications of all these new technologies that we've talked about earlier. So let's talk about the cost aspect here, Matt. Why will this technology be cheaper? Before the break, the examples we talked about still used MRI machines.
2: Yeah, for sure. And those are enormous. They're heavy. They cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, they're not very user-friendly. I mean, I can't imagine some college <laughs> frat kid putting up these kind of sunny MRI use videos <laughs> in the way that CRISPR demonstration mm. videos are, are coming up. Uh, so we know that this development isn't going to be so much around MRIs. It's going to be in the much simpler and cheaper technology which is the EEG.
1: This is the electronic swim caps.
2: Yeah, you know, we had a, a story last week, I think, the one about <laughs> Tetris. Tetris, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that in that story, three people were wired together wearing these EEG electrode caps, and an interface allowed them to collaborate and play a game of Tetris. And I know we can do that with a Nintendo <laughs> Game Boy, but... Um, the point is the achievement is actually the collaboration and doing it mentally rather than the, the actual game itself.
1: Are we finding new ways to use EEGs or is this just another area where artificial intelligence is actually enhancing technology that we already have here?
2: It's very much that enhancing idea. Um, EEGs uh, can be used very simply. They can be used with very straightforward interfaces. So they're, they're very adaptable for experiments. But the problem is that they're very sensitive and we're extremely noisy.
1: You know that's going to need some explaining, right?
2: As was the original (laughs) version of that (laughs) sentence that I had to revise 20 times. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they're covered in electrodes that pick up electrical current. And even though it doesn't feel like it, our bodies are actually bristling with electricity. Mm. So not only will the caps pick up brain activity, they pick up every blink you make, every twitch. And let's see how infectious this is. (laughs) Every little itch on your scalp and your face and your body. So Mm. raise your hand if you've suddenly developed an itch when I mentioned that okay, you can put it down again now. This is radio. We can't see you. You're just looking like a crazy person. But those twitches generate a current that is maybe around 100 times more powerful than the neurons in the brain actually generate. So they physically drown out the the signals of the of the brain.
1: So the AI part helps to filter out some of that noise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's something, again, like pattern recognition. Mm. So it can filter out. Again, those twitches, those itches, and all the tight britches. Uh, Now scientists are starting to repeat experiments that they previously conducted on MRI machines to see if they can replicate the results with this simpler technology. Early tests by researchers like Adrian Lester at the University of Toronto are seeing a high degree of accuracy in basic tests like building a face from memory. So we are starting to see interesting results. And as I said, this could really help to open the field up. So, for example, with uh, an EEG, you don't need a medical professional Mm. to be on hand to operate a big machine like you do with an MRI. And you suddenly have a testing system that's portable. So that means you can go out to groups of subjects rather than having them come to you. So you can start to do a lot more interesting things and start doing things in a a lot more geographical locations. Mm.
1: Presumably, it's also easier to hack around and customize it.
2: Well, you know, we've already seen it being used for, as we said, things like controlling a game of Tetris. Mm. Um, this kind of technology has been used to to control the simple movements of a robot. So somebody imagining a robot picking up a, an egg or a cup.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, we can even pilot drones using this technology. Yep. So the technology is relatively straightforward and versatile. So it really could allow us to use these kind of mental interface systems. For a much wider range of applications.
1: I'm going to pick up on that word application.
2: Yeah, where there are applications, there are apps. So the simplicity of this technology means it's not just medical applications that we're talking about here. Companies like Microsoft and Facebook are also very interested in the potential of this kind of technology. Microsoft registered a patent for an EEG-style device in uh, November 2017. Mm. And remember, earlier we mentioned uh, that the guy who mm. built the illustration around uh, a Microsoft API. So you can start to see how the company is looking at converging the different aspects of these technologies. The the AI taking words and sentences, the devices taking thoughts. So you can see that picture being put together.
1: Mm. I know the idea of a data-driven companies and mind-controlling apps will probably be very controversial, but this is okay, right? We're talking about a send-only kind of application. It's controlling an app.
2: Well, Even if those controls are very basic, say up and down, left and right, uh, it's still a device that's interpreting your thoughts. So you Mm. have to think fairly carefully about how that's going to be implemented. And even if it's send only and it's kind of passive like Microsoft, that's not the only version that's out there. So remember last week we talked about the Facebook mic drop moment, um, (laughs) and I was saying that I was... Astonished that Facebook would choose to market uh, a device like the portal when their credibility and reputation is such a low point. Well, Guess what? The company isn't erring on the side of caution with mind-reading technology either.
1: I think I mentioned this in the Geeks piece. Uh, Facebook wants to build a typing interface so you can literally think your posts.
2: Yeah, and we mentioned what an appalling idea that is. Um, It's like drunk texting to the power of infinity. Uh, I don't think there's a single person other than maybe Mark Zuckerberg who wouldn't lose their job within about 72 hours of this being introduced. I mean, imagine Elon Musk with a brain interface. He gets Mm -hmm. into enough tweeting trouble with his thumbs. If Donald Trump had one of these interfaces, he'd either (laughs) either start a world war in the middle of the night or be declared brain dead. You know, it's probably a 50-50 chance. (laughs) And Facebook's device is way more invasive than this idea of an EEG cap.
1: Like some super ray brain zapping laser.
2: Yes, it is exactly that. It is a super ray (laughs) brain zapping laser. Uh, The company is rumoured to be using a special kind of near-infrared light. Uh, It registers bone, skin or tissue as being uh, translucent, but it senses blood. Mm. So it picks up neural activity according to the blood flow and translates that activity into the words that you're thinking of.
1: I know what this is. It's a microwave brain vampire. It sounds like a conspiracy theory
2: here. It's not microwaves, but (laughs) yeah, that's not going to stop the conspiracy guys. Um, And if it is true, it's potentially another huge own goal for (laughs) Facebook. Um, Because, you know, people get fired up enough about aircraft engines leaving chemtrails that are numbing our brains or radio transmitters that are hidden in dental fillings.
1: Mm. And also governments using chemically treated water to control.
2: Exactly. Mm. I mean, what are the conspiracy nuts going to do (laughs) with an actual honest-to-God brain ray that's marketed and owned by a global conglomerate? Mm. You can probably watch Alex Jones (laughs) self-combust with angry joy just on the back of the, the broadcast of that.
1: Isn't Elon Musk working on a lace technology?
2: Yeah, it's called Neuralink, uh, and we don't know much about it yet. Um, And it seems to be something that could actually be implanted under the skin of the scalp.
1: Is that really possible? Like, Would people really want to implant this kind of technology?
2: Well, I was talking about something along these lines at a market research conference this week. And hello, John, by the way, if you're driving (laughs) to the office right now. Uh, One of the things that comes up from time to time on the show is medical implants for Mm. devices like Alzheimer's. So people are working on these brain implantable devices Uh, so it does seem plausible that uh, or rather it doesn't seem implausible that somebody wouldn't simply decide to close the loop and connect all those devices to the cloud and of course once you have it in the cloud you can connect it to Alexa and Siri and you already have an AI in your head.
1: Why do nearly all of these shows come round to privacy at the end of the day?
2: I think because we have to show everyone at home (laughs) what the technology can do and we have to let them decide if they want it to happen. Uh, And besides, if we'd started this show talking about the need to protect ourselves from Facebook brain rays... I'd have sounded incoherent and absolutely insane.
1: I don't think anyone would notice the difference.
2: I think that's a fair point. (laughs) Um, Even the scientists working in this field are worried about the potential implications. A group of experts called the Morningside Group is bringing up some of the issues that the realities of this technology are going to raise. They actually want the UN's Declaration of Human Mm. Rights to also include uh, a clause about neuro rights because... We're talking about a chain of data that is going to start in our brain. So we have to decide who is going to own that information. We do. Well, you own your smartphone, but you don't own the operating system. Mm. And you don't own the data that lots of those free apps on your phone generate. So once you move that operating system to a chip or a neural lace in your head, who actually owns that information now?
1: This is probably more frightening for you than for me, but could someone hack your
2: mind? I think it would be most frightening for the person who actually did hack my mind. Um, The last MRI tech that tried to scan me had a nervous breakdown about 30 minutes later. Uh, He's been drawing pictures of triangles and eyes in a psych ward ever since. (laughs) And he only looked at a picture of my mind. Um, But yeah, you know, we've seen some tech companies, we have a kind of fairly cavalier attitude to cybersecurity. And even the ones who really care about that security do get hacked. So, yeah, having a connected device in your brain is going to come with some serious risks. Okay, who's going to be able to pay for this? You'll all pay. (laughs) Pay for every insult and taunt you ever hurled at me. (laughs) That wasn't actually the question, was it? No. No, that's something else that we've talked about before, Um, that growing divide between people who can afford to enhance themselves and the ones who can't. And then once they have enhanced, that enhanced group will have a vested interest in making sure that the technology doesn't become cheap enough, that everyone else can start reducing that, that income gap and that intellect gap as well. So there are some fairly serious socioeconomic issues attached to the subject as well.
1: You know, I'm, I realize that you haven't mentioned Amazon once today.
2: Because, you know, the stalking horse always stays in the shadows until it's time to play mahjong. Wow. I don't know if (laughs) those metaphors make any sense. But (laughs) Um, I think Amazon is going to stay fairly quiet. It's going to hang back and let the other players sort out all of the messy legal stuff. And I think it's going to wait until the public is a bit more accepting of this kind of technology before it jumps in. But yeah, I mean, once Amazon gets into your brain, I think it's going to be game overtime mm. it's going to be jeff bezos first and eternal minister of the trans world retail republic and i think you know we're pretty much there
1: you heard it here episode 50 precedent for life jeff bezos and we'll be right back with Geeksbox after this also you can check out culturepop.com it's CulturePop pop with a k for transcripts of the show and also you can find out how to bring a little bit of Matt's planning to your company we'll be right back bfm 89.9